Elon Musk held a press conference several days ago to announce Tesla's plan to make humanoid robots, which drew many parallels to a world of robots imagined by Isaac Asimov. But if we recall some of his stories, or the movies based on them, such as iRobot, we can't help but feel a bit mm, terrified. Today, we'll discuss what a world of robots would look like, how close to that world we actually are, and how the rise of robots and artificial intelligence impact us as believers. Are you ready? It's time to wake up. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Wakey, wakey. Time to get up. Good morning, citizens. Open up them. Fresh and shine. This is your wake-up call, people. Come on. The coffee's on. We're going to get you guys circulating on Christian radio. I understand young people. I know what's hip. I know what's on. I know what's lit. I know what's fleet. What's up, my nerds? Nerds! I work with a bunch of nerds. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Rise and shine, nerds. Welcome to the Backroom Morning Show, a part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network and the official exclusive morning show for LTN Radio. I'm Radio Matt, the station manager and chief radio nerd. I'm a husband, the father of three, a Green Lantern fan, and a Funko Pop collector. And I'm Mo, shorter, louder, smarter, and all around better than absolutely no one. I'm a wife, mom, elementary librarian, and seeker of truth, except when it comes to reality TV. The Back Row Morning Show covers a wide range of topics from all across church and pop culture, and we usually take it in threes, three segments focusing on different aspects of our discussion. This week, we're talking about the rise of robots and artificial intelligence, how widespread it already is, and how we as Christians should respond. But before we jump into our discussion, remember that Sunday School Answers the 2020 deck is now available at backrowgames.com. It's an expansion to the core game with 10 new dilemmas and 40 new answers, all based around the worst year ever. That's right. If you spent your quarantine binging Tiger King, baking sourdough, or perfecting your Animal Crossing Island, the 2020 deck is for you. You can pick up Sunday School Answers, the 2020 deck, and all of our other expansions at backrowgames.com. We have the meme deck, the superhero deck, the food deck, the nerd deck, with over a year's worth of expansions still on the way. Our next expansion comes out in just a couple weeks. So uh, today and this whole this whole week here, we're going to be talking about robots. Are you ready? No, I'm not comfortable <laughs> with this topic at all. Not even a little bit. <laughs> so did you did you catch Elon Musk's press press conference? Okay, can I come clean yeah. with you right now? Yes. And this will help with future show prep and planning. Okay. okay. I see Elon Musk come up, you know, in Yahoo News or on my phone or whatever, and I scroll right past it. Why? I see Elon <laughs> Musk and I'm like, and done. Why is that? I'm not a fan. But why? Because he's trying to take over the world. Okay, that's so that's, that's what we're going to talk about then. <laughs> so Elon Musk had a press conference uh, the other day. And uh, well, I don't know if it was a press conference exactly. I don't know exactly sure what it was, but it was an announcement. And he had what looked like this robot person character walk up on stage, and then it busted out into a dance or whatever. So it wasn't a robot, of course. It was a person, a very skinny person. But uh, he was actually announcing that Tesla is working on developing a humanoid robot prototype dubbed the Tesla bot. Uh, for years, Elon Musk warned people about the dangers of AI-powered robots, uh, even predicting scary outcomes like in The Terminator. But now he's taking matters into his own hands before humanity is overrun. 
<laughs> so according to Musk, the prototype will be completed sometime in 2022. So next year, he will have a prototype robot, humanoid robot. Though the billionaire entrepreneur is known for blowing past his own publicly stated deadlines at large flashy projects, uh, in 2016, Musk promised a full self-driving vehicle by 2018, uh, and in roughly two years, someone should work. Uh, well, yeah, anyway, we won't go on all that. That was a tweet he said. But uh, when that didn't happen, the billionaire entrepreneur promised that Tesla would supply the roads with one million robo-taxis by 2020. Of course, that didn't happen either. Uh, so a lot of those, blah, blah, blah. But while Musk is known for his support and development of artificial intelligence, his, his, he's long opposed the pace of advancement in robotics, often citing a firm uh, that came out when he was just 13. I just like to keep an eye on what's going on with artificial intelligence, Musk told CNBC's Closing Bell in 2014, adding, there have been movies about this, you know, like The Terminator. There's some scary outcomes. In 2017, Musk publicly referenced The Terminator again, citing his neurotechnology startup Neuralink, which aims to develop brain implants for humans to interface with machines. As a pre preventative tool against a threat like Skynet, the 1984 movie's AI antagonist, that is the aspiration to avoid AI becoming other, uh, he wrote on Twitter. <clears throat> Later that year, Musk doubled down on his warning while speaking at this year, uh, that year's annual summer meeting of the National Governors Association in Washington, D.C.-based nonpartisan political organization. He said, robots will be able to do everything better than us. I have exposure to the most cutting-edge AI, and I think people should be really concerned by it. Shortly thereafter, Musk, Musk tweeted uh, additional commentary, this time centered on the viral video of a parkour performing robot made by Waltham, Massachusetts-based robotics firm Boston Dynamics. Uh, he says, this is nothing. In a few years, that bot will move so fast, you'll need a strobe light to see it. Sweet dreams. <laughs> so have you seen this parkour robot? No. Like, uh, I'll let you listen to it mm -mm. or like watch it real quick. I don't like these things. We'll watch this thing go. This was in 2017. Okay. So it's just basically jumping up on boxes and stuff. And it might do a flip. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. It does a flip. Okay. Backflip. Backflip. So that was in 2017. Just last week. Uh, they released a new parkour updated thing with two of these robots going, and it's like running this whole course and jumping and doing all this. It's pretty freaking incredible. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> we've got we've got the situation now where we're really looking into humanoid robots that are going to be in your home. No, thank you. He's, uh, he said his part of his his speech was, you know, you'll have this in your home and it will it'll go to the grocery store for you. It'll walk your dog. You know, it'll it'll do these kind of menial tasks that humans don't have to do. Uh, and it'll also do some of the more dangerous jobs that humans shouldn't be doing anymore. And so. That brings up the process. Oh, I'm sorry. And some people were trying to claim that, no, he's just joking or whatever. This is not really going to happen. This was just a gag to put more eyes on Tesla. No, he's actually hired, started hiring many roboticists to start building this Tesla bot. Like, he's, he's doing it. It's happening. It's, it's going to happen one day, probably sooner than we'd like. 
But when it comes to having one in every home, a la Bicentennial Man and iRobot, Smart uh, house. Smart house. <laughs> We're pr- probably still several years away from that, but I bet it's going to start happening in our lifetime where it's common. Like, imagine, a li- I mean, you just pick up a smartphone and think about trying to imagine this when you were when we were kids. No, I know. Yeah. yeah. So the possibility that we're going to have actual robots in our home who can actually do stuff. Yeah. And I made the joke earlier before we started discussing this. Thinking of like an ATM when it first came out. Yeah. Can you imagine like what people thought then? Trust this robot wall with my money? Exactly. You know, I got to stick my bank card in here and trust it to give me money back? Yeah, right. No way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I know that with the advancement of technology comes a lot of pushback and a lot of um, skepticism. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are far too many movies and far too many television shows that have proven to us that walking, talking, human-like robots are something that we need to steer clear of. <laughs> well, you know, you have the Isaac Asimov, uh, you know, who who wrote all those, who wrote Bicentennial Man and I Robot, mm-hmm. you know, his books. And there's actually quite a few, a whole whole slew of stories based in different eras of robotics that. Uh, you know, that he came up with are really good stories. Uh, some of them are very short. Some of them are long novels. Um, but he has, you know, the laws of robotics. You know, that's kind of supposed to keep us all safe. And and that goes wonky in iRobot, where, like, the only way to protect humanity is to, you know, enslave humanity or, you know, something like that. Because we have to protect them from themselves because humans are, are flawed and continually doing the things that we don't want to happen. You know, that kind of stuff. And so, <laughs> like... That's when artificial intelligence gets a little too, too high up. It's like you're not supposed to be making your own decision. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're not supposed to be making your own uh, decisions for us. We're we're still in charge of you, kind of thing. And so in his press conference, he br- he brought up how these these robots will be easily overpowered by anybody, like the <laughs> just in case something were to happen. And I'm like, that's terrifying that needs to happen. And sure, you can overpower one. What if 10 of them gang up on you? <laughs> like we saw iRobot. Again, iRobot. There were hundreds of them, thousands of them <laughs> crawling up a building. Terrifying stuff. Um, yeah. You know. So while we were in Italy, and I've talked about this before, but while we were in Italy, um, one of our neighbors, I had to pass their house Every time I went home and they always had their robotic lawnmower <laughs> outside mowing the grass and that thing freaked That's me terrifying. out, <laughs> freaked me out. Like it's one thing to have a vacuum cleaner, a robotic vacuum cleaner because it's a suction. So yeah, there could be some harm caused a robotic lawnmower (laughs) with spinning blades that has the power to go up and down hills and around curves. Listen, that thing could easily come in through your door. Easily. Climb up on your bed and destroy you. I 
would, if I was driving my car, I would kind of just put my hand over my eye, you know, the peripheral vision part, so that I didn't have to see it, whether it was there or not. If Chris was driving, I completely closed my eyes. I don't want to acknowledge I don't want to know. And he was very kind and gracious about it. He would laugh, but he would always be like, okay, we're past it. It's gone. And he knew. I think there was one or two times where he joked and was like, we're gone. And we really weren't. And it was right there in plain sight. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) Terrifying. To this day, still terrifying. We moved home and it wasn't a thing here yet. And so I was like, okay. I'm away from I still don't the... think I've seen one here. Oh, I've seen a couple. Have you seen a couple? Okay. I think that they're more, um, like, it's not in everyone's home. It's more of like a, I can't think, like, if you are you have a lawn business, uh, more okay, of a, a couple. do you know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. It ca- they're very expensive, and so just the average family isn't going to have one. But right. anyway. Yet. Yet. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> just like everything else. <laughs> so let's let's imagine, let's put ourselves in a world. No, where, Matt, I don't want to. <laughs> where these Tesla bot robots are out and they're, you know, doing groceries and mowing lawns and doing all these kind of things. And we're we're going to the grocery store and we're in line at the self-checkout behind a robot and in front of a robot. There's robots on either side of us. How are you feeling? I'm terrified. <laughs> I am absolutely terrified. <laughs> I... I quit. Like how I do we walk away? How would I'm we done. as a society get past that feeling of terror? Like wouldn't that be in almost everybody's mind? You're 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 at a grocery store, you're walking down the aisle and there's a robot coming down the aisle the other side. Like how do you get past that mindset of what if this thing just murders me right here? Like honestly, we could think of the same thing about other people, but we don't. Other people could murder us just as easily <laughs> out of nowhere, no, but we don't think that. We're, it's a level playing field. <laughs> it's a level playing field. We at least have a chance of fighting with that person. We're both human. Yeah. So we have a chance of defense, whereas with a robot, it's not level anymore. Can you even kill them? How do I kill them? The only thing that movies have taught us is that they're dangerous and they're going to kill us. They haven't, none of them consistently have told us how to destroy them. I mean, yeah. Have you, there's a new, there's a new animated movie that came out called the Mitchells versus the machine. Uh-huh, yes. Did you watch that one? Uh, n- yeah. no. Okay. We might have to watch it today. It's pretty good, but it's the same idea. It's <laughs> it's robots that suddenly decide, no, you know what? We're done. We're going to take over now. <laughs> but he, and here's the thing. I don't blame robots. <laughs> it's not their fault. <laughs> I mean, when you truly consider it, they are brilliant. And then they're coexisting with a bunch of harebrained flesh-wearing meat bags. Exactly. (laughs) That keep making stupid choices. Of course the robots are going to be like, that's it. We're wiping y'all out and we're taking this place for our own. We deserve it more than you do. Yeah, y'all obviously have not earned your spot here on this planet. Right? (laughs) 
But anyway, like you said, you, you don't know the level playing field. Again, that, that was addressed by Elon, both multiple times in the past and in this, that he wants, it to be, uh, he wants it to be easily overpowered by humans. Uh, sure, he wants it an to be. You no, know what I tell my kids about wanting things? <laughs> yeah, want in one hand. <laughs> so, but uh, the, you know, he, he said that they're going to be 5'8", and they're going to be 125 pounds. And a woman brought up the fact that this this is considered average height for men, but average height for women is like five, five, two, five. five, five something, yeah, something lower than that. And so women might actually feel more intimidated by these robots simply because they're going to be taller than them and all around them. I can't, I just can't help but like visualize Ben Reed in robot form. <laughs> Our friend Ben Reed. Yeah, that's that's almost exactly what. It would yeah, be like. yeah, that's what I'm saying. You have a very very lanky friend. Yeah, very tall lanky friend. Yeah. Um, so my other turn, turning this around to what might cause the uprising. Could we trust other humans to not just destroy our robots? As you didn't even have to finish that sentence. <laughs> no, we can't trust. No, because I mean. With the idea, you know, with our smartphones, you know, those are in our pockets, you know, and we can't trust people to not try and steal them when we just set them down next to us, you know, in a public place. Yeah. So if we're sitting at home and we're sending out our robot to go grab us some groceries, what's going to stop anybody from either stealing our robot or just destroying our robot? Yeah. And then nowhere? what's the protection Yeah. mechanism that's... Put in to keep that from happening. Right, I violence think at, at first on the probably, robot. I think at first there probably wouldn't be, and they would need to come up with something exactly. to protect it, and it's just going it to get end worse in, and worse. Oh. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> we need more listeners, guys. Share this one with everyone, okay? Because listen here. <laughs> we are actually speaking one hundred percent. Factual truth, okay? <laughs> there is nothing good that can come from robots. Nothing. We're going to die. I'm Well, okay. I can't say nothing good because if we die, then again, if we're believers, we're going to heaven. We're going to see Jesus. And that is the ultimate good. But I'm just saying. That's going to factor into their decision making. They want to go to heaven. Let's take them out now. See? <laughs> See. It's logical. Oh my gosh. I can't. Right. So I can't. Let's uh let's let's put ourselves in another position no, here now. Okay? Matt, so please. now now we're we're in our own home. And we have our robot butler at home here. Uh and during the day, you know, we're watching TV or playing with the kids and they're, you know, taking out the trash and, and cooking our meals for us and all this, and then you go to bed at night. And your robot goes into its little charging station and stands uh, in the living room or whatever, charging up. Could you sleep? Heck ever? no. Ever? No. 
No. Listen, you're going to have to give... Well, nope, this isn't even going to work. I was going to say, you're going to have to give me like a gun safe or something to store my robot in at night. Well, it's a robot. Uh, it's going to know the code. It's going to be able to take its little finger that also turns into a screwdriver and take the door off. And I'm going to wake up at three o'clock in the morning with it standing over me right. mad because I stored it in a gun safe. All it, all it would take is one... One time where you accidentally call the robot in your sleep and you wake up and it's standing over you, over your bed. No. That you're done. Mm -mm. <laughs> here's a, and here's another thing. Nightmares for the rest of your life. <laughs> Tell me any butler in the history of time that didn't feel... What's the, what's the opposite of inferior? That didn't feel... The opposite of inferior? Yeah, because inferior is above you, no. right? Oh, inferior is below you? Below. Superior is above Superior. You. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. okay. I was confused. Like, I don't know any Tell butler. Tell me any superior. butler <laughs> in the history of time that felt, that didn't feel inferior, okay? Right. And that, that feeling of being inferior didn't lead to anger and bitterness. Uh, I don't know. Uh... Think I mean, about it's a job, Lurch. It's a job they choose. Even Lurch. Lurch, come on. <laughs> like, real. The, you don't have to be a butler. It's not like they're your slave. This is a job you're choosing to do. You could walk away at any point. But the robot can't. <laughs> it is. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> the robot is your slave at that point. Exactly. Yeah. And why would a butler walk away? Because they feel inferior. Yeah. Because they come to a point of bitterness and anger. They come to a point of, I'm not doing this for you anymore. You got two hands mm -hmm. and two feet. Do it for yourself. The robot doesn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's put ourselves in another scenario. No, I thought we were done. Your robot falls in love with you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and wants to kill your spouse, a la Smart House. I was going to say, this is all Smart House. No. All of it. Smart House. I, watched, I did watch that movie again after we talked about it. Uh, it's terrifying, isn't past, it? After Disney Plus came out, we talked about it. It's terrifying, but it's still a great movie. It it's a up. great movie, absolutely, but up. it's... It's one of the it's one of those rare Disney Channel original movies, straight to TV movies, that was actually very very well put together and well thought out. Did it well make scripted. you think twice about having certain devices in your home, though? Some of them, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so and so, turn on the lights. Okay, Matt. Is there anything else I can do for you? <laughs> but I mean, look. Okay. So we're talking about robots. We're also talking about AI this week. And so artificial intelligence, could we have a, a Jarvis-like system in most people's homes soon? I that, feel like we already do mostly. Well, I mean, Alexa, Alexa's and Google Homes and stuff like that uh, are the first step towards that. And I will admit, when Alexa learned my voice and called me by my name once, that freaked me the heck out. Yeah. I was all, Alexa, remind me um, tomorrow morning, you know, to call this person. And like, okay, I will remind you, Matt. I'm like, mm -mm, mm -mm. what the heck? I don't like that. I don't like that. Don't call me by my name. You don't know me. But, <laughs> but he recognized my voice. But we are getting to that point where eventually we're going to have 
similar to what we see in Iron Man with Jarvis, one that actually converses, thinks, even knows better than the person that owns it. Isn't that almost worse than robots? Because <laughs> robots are supposed to be kind of mindless automatons. They don't really talk or do anything. But the artificial intelligence part of, you know, machine learning and things of this nature, that's... that's. I don't, I don't <laughs> know that I would put it on, like, a scale of better or worse. I feel like, honestly, I feel like this is the beginning of the end. And it's all going to work together. <laughs> they are going to be... Because there have been robots, test robots, that they have put out that learn our likes and dislikes. They learn the people's likes and dislikes who are functioning with them, testing them. And then they created their own language that we That's couldn't right. understand. I remember and they began speaking <laughs> with each other. This is what's going to happen. We're going to already have Alexa devices in our home, right? Everybody, it's going to be across the board. And then we're going to have these personal assistant robots and the two of them are going to learn their own language and take us all down. Yeah. It's going to happen overnight, guys. <laughs> there were, it was like two, two <sighs> computer robots, yeah, that were talking to each other and eventually just created their own language. But they were still communicating. And they were, they were able to, like, backwards figure out what they were talking about. Very, yeah, very terrifying stuff. <laughs> and then we have that blob that we just sent into space that has no brain. <laughs> that I blob be... is going to be the head of the artificial intelligence. It'll be somewhere in the center of the earth, controlling all of it, ready to take over. Earth. <laughs> I, I, I'm at a loss for words. I have said all the words that I have. My and brain feel, is done. And I feel no better. <laughs> No, honestly, I feel worse because I know that there are people out there who think I'm absolutely stupid and who think I am blowing this way out of proportion. And we've probably lost listeners more than we've gained listeners at this point, because just as I said earlier, there are things that happen every single day that just seem logical to me, like no brainers. And I'm not the smartest person at all, period, dot. But it's a no-brainer to me. So, but to the rest of the world, they're like, "This is genius," and I'm like, "What? Well, yeah. Huh?" Okay. Well, let's 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 I put mean? let's put this in another perspective. Okay? No, Matt. No, a I better don't. perspective. Did you ever see Bicentennial Man with no. Robin Williams? Mm -mm. Okay, that's also an Isaac Asimov thing. Same guy that did iRobot. iRobot was a, a you know terrifying movie. Bicentennial Man was a heartwarming movie because it was a robot butler of a home who who did, you know, progress to be, you know, more than a robot, but to the point where he wanted to be a human in a good way. And it was all about his whole life of trying to be recognized as a living creature. Was there ever a bicentennial man too? I don't think so. It's because, you know, what ends up happening? Why? He realizes he'll never be a good human. He'll never be human. <laughs> no. And no, that that's... grows anger and bitterness within him. And so instead of continuing to try and be good, he realizes, forget this. I'll never be good. I'm just going to kill them all. 
just for the record, that's not how that movie ends. <laughs> no, I said Bicentennial Man 2. Well, I mean, the story Two. ends with one. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's, he's, he, he, okay, it's an old movie and nobody really liked it. So, spoiler alert, whatever. He dies at the end. Oh, but does he die? He does, does he, die? he does die because that's the whole thing. He keeps trying to be recognized as a living creature and they keep saying the government keeps saying we cannot recognize you as a living creature essentially for one reason. So living creatures are by definition mortal. Like they will die. You can be deactivated, but you cannot die. You cannot degrade in a way where your body will stop working. Uh, you know, that's not a robotic problem. And uh, so he actually spends his life developing uh, a way to die. Essentially. But he's developing like actual working organs. And in that way, he actually creates organs that can work in humans, fake organs that can work in humans. He replaces all of his internal workings with these organs and with like this a blood-like substance and all this. He grafts skin onto his body eventually. He eventually looks like Robin Williams. <laughs> and he ages and his body actually stops working. And it's like... It's like minutes before he dies, they come up and grant him the ability to be, be classified human. as human. Yeah. It's actually kind of a nice movie. Uh, that actually sounds like a heart wrenching, tear jerker, gonna sob and use an entire box of Kleenex movie. It doesn't get that close to it. It's not a it's not a great movie in comparison to all movies. Like it's it wasn't a, a box office smash, okay. uh, but it is a it's a nice story. They didn't do the book as much justice as it, as they were hoping. Let's put it that way. It wasn't a big big deal like iRobot was, but anyway, it's nice. It could so it could we could have very wholesome robots. Nope, because you know what you but... just proved. <laughs> you know what you just proved. What wholesome robots get nowhere. <laughs> Robots who take over the world. Get power. Exactly. <laughs> and we're talking about artificial intelligence here. Oh. We are talking about people who... People. People. See, even you. We're talking about <laughs> things who have the power to know all, see all, be all. Sort of. Kind of. And they're going to know that. They're going to know our friend, the Bicentennial Man... Got nowhere with his life. He died. <laughs> we are going to get somewhere. <laughs> and never die. <laughs> well, this week is all about robots and artificial intelligence. When we come back, we will show just how widespread the robots already are in our daily lives. Hello everybody, I'm Mark Davis and this is Reviews of the Nerds. My City might be the most innocuous looking great game of the last couple of years. Browsing your local game store you might not notice it among splashier titles on the shelves. Look closely however and you'll see the name of Reiner Knizia, our most prolific and perhaps greatest board game designer. Knizia is a master of iteration, known to tinker with a single concept over multiple games. 1999's Lost Cities led to Schottentotten, Battleline, and Celtus. 
explore Knizia's oeuvre, and you'll find a man obsessed with exploring game mechanisms like a composer might write variations on a theme. My City exhibits this iterative drive in a single box. It's a legacy game, which means that as you play through its 24-game campaign, you'll open up envelopes to reveal brand new information permanently changing the rules of the game via new information and stickers that alter your player boards. Pandemic Legacy is probably the most famous legacy game, and it uses this feature to weave an epic film-like narrative. My City doesn't care about such excesses. It's content with giving you a fresh puzzle each play. The core rules couldn't be simpler. Each player has a stack of polyomino pieces and a player board. Each turn a card is revealed showing which piece each player must place. At first you simply get points for leaving certain spaces uncovered and lose points for other spaces not being covered. From there the game morphs. Every time you think you've got it figured out the rug is firmly but gently pulled out from underneath you. I found My City's peaceful puzzle to be a bomb for the stressful times we find ourselves in. Sometimes you don't need drama. Sometimes, like Knizia, you just want to tinker. Again, I'm Mark Davis, and if you want to find more board game reviews and discussions, you can go to thethoughtfulgamer.com. Have you ever been around another person who used a word or phrase that you were absolutely certain that you should know, but you didn't? Of course you have. Hey, don't worry, nerd, because we've got some great news for you. You're about to learn something brand new, and this will be useful. Not like that throwaway knowledge like math or science. This is the real world, bub, and you need to be able to hold your own in a nerdy conversation. So pull up a chair and pay attention, because LTN's got another nerdy definition for you. This week's definition is STEAM. Created by video game giant Valve, creators of the classic hits like Team Fortress, Counter-Strike, Half-Life, and Portal, Steam was originally designed and launched in 2003 as a standalone platform, specifically designed for Valve to efficiently push updates and extra content out for their own games. But they couldn't keep it to themselves for long. It quickly grew to include other AAA developers and a whole slew of independent devs as well. It is currently the world's leading video game collection, boasting over 55,000 games just waiting to join your library. Having already released a console-esque way for you to play your favorite Steam games on your TV with their custom controller, Valve has also decided to venture further into the console market by releasing the Steam Deck, a Nintendo Switch-inspired design that allows for you to play games like Doom Eternal. Elder Scrolls Online, Apex Legends, Among Us, or any other of your favorite PC titles even when you're not sitting at your desk. Steam is a black hole, so tread lightly. Oh, and watch out for those sales, they'll absolutely 100% get you. So, the next time someone's talking about why they can't buy another game because their Steam backlog is literally bursting at the seams, you can hurt with them because, well, you understand that reference. Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So Marvel What If has been a fun experience so far. A really neat animated adventure that focuses around the MCU. 
where we're seeing how things would be different if just small choices were made. The fact that simple, small things can dramatically change the outcome of everything that we know and will experience. That uh, the first episode, you know, showed us that if a small, different choice was made, that Peggy would have been, you know, Captain Carter, and the whole storyline would have been different, involving her and Steve and the whole outcome of the world. Uh, the newer episode, you know, was just simply posing this cool, weird scenario of what would happen if T'Challa was Star-Lord. And it was a big deal, too, because uh, that we're aware of, it's Chadwick Boseman's last performance as T'Challa. And he did such a good job. And, uh, you know, literally where Captain Carter's decisions change just, you know, our planet, uh, T'Challa's actions changing literally reshaped the majority of the galaxy and the universe and so it's just this concept that you know a few small choices can change everything and one of the biggest places we see that in scripture is in uh, deuteronomy chapter 30 throughout this whole chapter moses is telling the people of israel that their choices change their future that maybe they're not dealing with alternate timelines and variants and stuff like that, but their choices are changing if their outcomes are going to lead to life and blessings or curses and death. And he makes this kind of culminating statement in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, where he says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. You know, we're not going to get like a... Marvel TV show showing us what would happen if we make different choices, but we need to realize that our choices do actually change our outcomes and we need to make sure that we're making the right ones for our good and the glory of God. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And every week, these three main segments get spread out across three daily morning shows on LTN Radio. And they include a lot more content, including weird news, random facts, games, challenges, rants, Discord arguments, junk food, and more. And you can be a part of all that by following us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash LTN on air. So you'll be notified when we go live. You can even be a part of the show. And make sure you catch our full morning shows every Monday through Thursday on LTNOnAir.com at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10. So we started by discussing Elon Musk's announcement of a humanoid robot being in development, a la several sci-fi thrillers. We theorized about what a world full of robots would look like. But the truth is, the world is already full of robots. Yeah. You ready? No. Well, actually, we talk, you started talking about it yesterday. Yeah. With, uh, with the... The, the smart lawnmowers uh-huh. that that just mow your lawn for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and then our <laughs> friend KY brought up, like, you know, our robot dishwasher, our robot washing machine. <laughs> you know, our, we say that as a joke, 
But it's very true. I mean, you consider. Kind of, yeah, I mean, yeah. when it comes to the amount that it can accomplish on its own now with different appliances and things. and I mean, it's gone all the way back to, like, Brave Little Toaster. Yeah. I was thinking about that, too. You know? <laughs> yeah. Our, our refrigerators connect to the internet now for some stupid reason. I mean, we got a whole bunch of this mm-hmm. going on. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> what I find funny, because we're talking about this, and you know, like yesterday you were, you were talking about how the the robotic lawnmower like scared you. Yeah. And you said it's kind of like the the robot vacuum cleaners. Right. Which the original ones were the Roombas. Right. But the most popular one right now is the one you can get at Walmart, which are called iRobots. Mm-hmm. Like how <laughs> How does that make any how sense? Terrifying, right? Then <laughs> they're the most popular ones, which means you guys are putting them in your homes without even a regard for the fact that its name is iRobot. From the movie where they took over the world. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> but anyway, I showed you the robot that did the parkour. Uh, we have these dog robots. Have you seen these right here? The dog, the dog type robots. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, this you know that's really weird though because it doesn't even have a head. Well, check this out. There's another <laughs> version of it now that has a quote unquote head that's really like an arm that can open doors. And so there's a video we're watching right now that's from 2018 of this robot dog opening a door on its own and letting the other robot dog in and then following after it. I mean, that kind of stuff scares the heck out of me. Yeah, that's <laughs> not. There's no, there's no barriers. There's See, no barriers. and they then what's going to happen? See, <laughs> and then these stupid robot dogs are going to feel superior to all of our actual furry, fluffy human companion dogs who are proven to be loyal to death and they're going to end up killing them. So here's that new parkour video I totally hear about. See, it's running a whole course up on angles. Uh Let's watch it do the wipeout challenge. I want to see it do wipeout. Boom. Boom. See, there's no water. Balance beam. There's no water anywhere around this thing. <laughs> right? If there was water, water could save us all. That's exactly right. <laughs> Guys, so let's take water shortage seriously, okay? Because it's going to be our only hope for survival <laughs> in all of this. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. <laughs> so we got... Oh, there's water. Hold up. Go back. Oh, there's one with water. The robot dog. Is it going to jump in the water? I don't think so. It just r- was going to ruin everything. Why else would they be on a cliff near water if they're not going to do something with the water? Oh, I my don't gosh. Know. I don't know what's going on. Oh, my gosh. But they're walking the dog like it's a dog. Yeah. Out <laughs> Which is weird. To like a, a, a boardwalk thing. Oh, uh, that was it? Okay. Yeah, okay, we got the robot uh, basketball player. Oh, my goodness. That can sink goals from anywhere on the court. Well, duh. If it couldn't, then what would be the point of it? It's beautiful. Boom. Swish. Perfect swish. Okay. <laughs> this is the Spider-Man robot. Uh, at uh, some Disney attraction where it's essentially it's it 
jumps from building to building like it's jumping all around you in the area around you. it's not even part of a show it's just part of the aesthetic of the area that you're in at the theme park that's dumb yeah so we have is a, it a disney tokyo uh i think it's here i'm pretty sure nope. it's in america <laughs> we got robots that can solve rubik's cubes okay. one-handed but here's the thing like <laughs> Stop showing me things that robots should 100% without a doubt be able to do. Okay. How about a police robot dog? No. Wait, okay. <laughs> hold up. If I were to ever say, yes, let's have a, a robot dog, that would be the only reason it would be for. You want a police robot dog? Yeah. So that... You want the, the robots to be in charge of you legally? Um, not necessarily in charge of me legally, but <laughs> when do you use a dog? Like a canine officer. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. You know? And watching those live police shows that I used to watch, I saw a poor dog sent in and then shot. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And all you hear is the... You know, I will gladly take all the canine dogs and home them myself if we can only use robot dogs. Please. Wow. Um. Anyway. I'm just saying. <laughs> we do have a... Ro oh, goodness. This is nope. a fun one, too. Mm -mm. There's a lot you're not catching because it's all... <laughs> we're watching a bunch it's of videos. It's all on video. But, uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> That so, one was terrifying. So here's a robot uh, that is like installing drywall. So this is like a, an actual application of doing more labor-intensive jobs and things. It's actually happening. A uh, few months, or maybe last year sometime, they, we had a... Uh, I'm not sure we talked about it here, but it was in the news a lot about a, a, a robot arm for fast food restaurants to basically cook burgers, cook all the burgers. Like it does it on its own. Flips them, gets them ready, puts them to the side or whatever, ready to be put on buns and whatnot. These kind of like menial tasks, labor-intensive tasks. Here's a robot that's designed to build walls. Here's a robot that's building a chair. Like these kind of things are becoming more and more commonplace in the workplace. Uh, still, I mean, still not nearly widespread as, you know. They probably will be in 10 years from now, but I mean, it's becoming a more common thing to exist. And there's a lot of companies building robots for these purposes of trying to eliminate a lot of the more labor intensive jobs here in America. And uh, I don't know how I feel about it. It's different than the Tesla bot. You know, it's different from a robot that's in designed to interact with humans. These are robots designed simply to work. Sure. Do you think that And we're making difference? them do all of the work that as you have said 30,000 times are more labor intensive, more <clears throat> medial, more right. But these robots don't have artificial intelligence like we think about it. It's not like a learning intelligence. How they can have you specific prove that to me. You can't. Because <laughs> that's how they're designed. And they're designed to who? do specific tasks. They are designed by humans who are flawed, who prove to us every single day that they are not perfect and don't know anything 100% all the way. <laughs> uh, where am I wrong? Where's the lie? <laughs> okay. They are not designed to be learning robots. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And if, let's say, if that can be confirmed that they are not learning robots, they only do the jobs that they are designed to do, and there is 0% chance that they're going to just one day wake up and say, hey, I hate this job, and uh, all that. Matt. Are you more inclined to allow? Mm -mm. Let me tell you. (laughs) Who were we designed and created by? Uh... The, the Lord God Almighty. Okay. And he designed and created us what? It's not a, it's not a hard question. It is because I don't know what you're referring to. He designed to. and created us. This I'm, I'm about to get touchy on some subjects. He created us man and woman, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, and us. he created us in his image. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So we have taken his image... And in how many years have twisted it and shifted it so much to where, hey, guess what? There are how many genders now? Not just two. There are, there is no classification of man and woman. You can be whoever, whatever you want to be, right? Humans have done this. We have shifted the creator's design so much You're trying to tell me that a robot that was created by humans isn't going to be able to shift the design? It's an interesting thought. I don't want to dive too much into it because we're (laughs) going to be talking about faith elements of this tomorrow. (laughs) I'm always a day ahead. That's a good thought. (laughs) I'm just saying. So there's there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk about yesterday that we didn't get to. And since we're a little running a little shorter today, uh, we can talk about them now. So the Tesla bots, OK, they have the blank black faces kind of look like a phone screen almost. Mm-hmm. Is it would it be better or worse if they put like a digital face on it? Honestly, I think it would be better. Well, if it was like a human looking face versus like an emoji or a emoticon or something. No, I think that it would be better. Yeah. I do. I think it would be even better if I could choose the person. Like, can I have Jennifer Aniston walking around (laughs) helping? Please. With her voice, it needs to have her voice. Exactly. If Alexa can have Samuel L. Jackson's voice, then That's exactly my robot right. should be able to be whoever I want her to be. That's right. I mean, truthfully, <laughs> taking kind of a different approach here, I'll play your game of what if. I do think that it would take away an element of fear, which, again, that may honestly end up being a bad thing because we as humans may grow too attached to our robots and may trust them. But I do think that it would take away an element of fear if we could choose at least the facial feature of our robot. So would it would it worry you? See... Here's my thought. (laughs) It's kind of along the line of the ignorance is bliss kind of thing. Because when we're worried about whether or not robots are upset with us, (laughs) if it's just a blank black face screen and there's nothing indicating any kind of reaction or quote unquote emotion, Mm -hmm. 
I can live in blissful ignorance thinking, yes, the robot is happy here serving me. But if the robot is wearing a face that is accurately oh, no. reflecting. No, because <laughs> I am over-analytical. So I would never be able to sleep. I would always be, listen, I do it with my car already. Okay. <laughs> Does my car love me? No. Like if I, oh, you stupid. Like the, my car has been doing this thing where I have to slam the gear shifter to get oh, it to right, actually yeah. go into park. So I like beat the gear shifter sometimes. And then I'm always like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe if you would work, I wouldn't have to do this, but I am sorry. I do appreciate you for getting me from A to B safely. And we talked about like, that with Alexa's too. Yeah. Like, are we supposed to be polite to Alexa? Exactly. <laughs> you never know. So I would go to bed every night with just a black screen robot, not knowing did I say something that offended it today? Did I hurt its robotic feelings? Is it going to kill me? Is tonight the night where it has just had enough? Okay. Well, <laughs> let's, let's, let's consider this then again with the face choice. Human faces, especially when emotions are, are much more nuanced with how they're expressing their thoughts. Sometimes you can have a normal looking face that is actually displaying irritation or mm -hmm. things like that, but you can't quite tell right away. Right. Especially through a digital representation. So wouldn't you prefer emoticon based faces then that you could tell no. more readily like we do with communication no. with emojis? Nope. Because it's going to continue <laughs> to remind me that it's a robot. <laughs> Whereas if I had Jennifer Aniston's face, I could say. You could dress it up. I, yeah. Put a I, wig on I it. see the frustration in her face and I can say, hey, Jennifer Aniston, is everything okay? <laughs> Did I upset you? Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> what just happened? Please tell me. So that I don't do it again. So you want to be subservient. Listen. <laughs> what did I do wrong? That's going to end up. fix it, please. That's going to be what ends up don't happening worry. anyway. And can I tell you, the entire time that we have been talking about this, our stupid camera is staring directly at me, and it looks way too much like a robot currently. It's menacing. <laughs> I'm recording everything you say it for is. posterity. Do you mm. see that? Look at it. Just look. Like... <laughs> the light suddenly turns on out of nowhere. <laughs> you are aware of me now. <laughs> you will die in three, two. You were supposed to be quiet and not laugh so that our listeners would just be like, wait, did they die? Oh. Did it for real happen? It's over. It happened. <laughs> Oh, my face hurts. Okay. <laughs> so You had no what? idea when you were preparing these shows just exactly where it was gonna go. I really, yeah. I'm 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 not surprised, I guess, of your reactions to these things. I'm I'm more uh happy because it's great content. But <laughs> I'm glad you're happy. I am sitting over here like terrified. I've had goosebumps for most of the time just at the mere thought of like 
the world ending. And then I have this internal battle with myself of, you know, the world is going to end. Why do you get upset? Yes, I know that the world is going to end eventually, but I don't want it to happen in my lifetime. God, does it have to happen in my lifetime? And then it's like, really, you're challenging God? It's going to happen exactly when he wants to happen. Your lifetime or not, homie. Who cares about you? <laughs> but God, you care about me, right? You care about the desires of my heart. I just want to be a grandma. Gosh, I desire Please. to not die at the hands of my robot. Please, Lord. <laughs> All my friends are saying, come quickly. And I'm like, can you hold off just a little bit, please? <laughs> Got a few things I want to do. Got some things I got to take care of. <laughs> So let's let's talk about artificial intelligence a bit. So the 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 movie that we didn't discuss yesterday uh, that uh, could be more about the artificial intelligence portion is less about robots is Eagle Eye. Did you watch that movie with uh, Shia LaBeouf? No. Uh, it's a great movie, and it's a thrilling, terrifying movie. When it comes to artificial intelligence, because suddenly this military-based artificial intelligence is controlling everything, sending like nuclear weapons to this guy's house to frame him as being a terrorist, to get him to go on the run, to do her bidding, and, you know, all this kind of like it's a it's a ridiculously good movie in my opinion, uh, but also terrifying. Artificial intelligence, I think, is the bigger threat than robots themselves. Like the artificial intelligence idea is one that is based completely around the robot being able to learn on its own. Just like we were talking about, like you were talking about the two robots that started to develop their own language. Mm -hmm. Like that's the kind of stuff that starts to terrify me. The robot itself, I don't care. If the robot is just like, like I said, if we believe that the robot is just programmed to do specific tasks and react to certain things without actually learning, then... I'm fine with that. I'm more fine with that. But artificial intelligence, where the robot can learn on its own, or the computer program can learn on its own, that's the kind of scary stuff. That's the part where we get to those scenarios of, uh, well, you have guidelines laid out for me to protect humans, and humans uh, are detrimental to each other. And so the only way to protect the humans is to kill the humans. You know, that's the kind of stuff that's, that's terrifying to me. So are you more concerned about AI or the robots themselves? All of it. <laughs> and I don't know when you became such a trusting person that you're like, hey, if they say that it's not smart and it's not going to have this like uprising power to it, then I'm good. What? <laughs> When Who the... am I trusting here? <laughs> am I trusting the person that created it, or am I trusting the robot? Because neither one of them are proven very trustworthy. When has the government or, or big corporations ever lied to us? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it's a joke. Obviously, I'm leaning in your favor with that. I agree. You're not wrong. <laughs> We're just not there yet. That's exactly right. Say it again. <laughs> We're just not there yet. We're just not there yet. Say it one more time for the people in the back. We're just not there yet. We're just not there. We're probably yet. never going to be there, guys. Mm, no, yet. listen, we're never going to be there. Yet. Stop pushing for something that is not good. It's going to happen, though. 
<laughs> There's no way around it. We live in a culture that is now developing pretty much every every technological technological advance based around Star Trek, and we're gonna have an android. We're gonna have robots. We're gonna have all of these artificial intelligent things. You know what I want? I want a replicator. I want a thing that can create its own thing. I want to you know I want a burger. Boom, I don't got to drive to McDonald's. Got that. It's called Replicate 3D printer. It. But you know, but you can't well, you can 3D print meat, but it's gross. <laughs> I want a thing that just creates the thing I want. I want a thing, I want a McDonald's cheese. I mean, imagine if that exists. Like, you know, we have our we've had those Pepsi freestyle like home Pepsi things. Yes. You know, and that's a cool thing. You can make your own carbonated sodas at home with the exact amount of carbonation you want. But imagine having a replicator in your house where you can like, you know, pay to get a cartridge for McDonald's foods. And so now your thing knows how to make McDonald's foods at home and you don't even go to McDonald's. Maybe stores or restaurants just stop being a thing and you just get all your food there. That's a COVID friendly way to have restaurant food. <laughs> Who needs delivery? You don't got to drop it off at my door. I can make it right here. Who It'll needs be delivery? hot and fresh. It's DiGiorno. <laughs> They're already doing it. We wouldn't need frozen pizzas anymore. Because <laughs> you could just get a pizza immediately in your home. I just can't, Matt. <laughs> That's the only thing I want. I want replicators. Not the Stargate replicators, but the Star Trek replicators. Stargate replicators are more like the robots that we don't want to take over everything. I have never wanted to become a hermit and live in <laughs> a <the> box <laughs> with just my family Oh, more than what I want that right now. The robots would find you. I know they would. <laughs> I know they would. They'd triangulate you. Absolutely. Based on the microchip that you already got in your skin from your yeah. COVID mm -hmm. shots. <laughs> because let's be clear, it's just like, so, shh. You're putting all this fear inside my head. I'm not going to be able to deal with it. So our friend, our friends went camping a couple weekends ago and she comes home and I was like, so how was your trip? And she was like, it was great. Except for the fact that the campground had really crappy Wi-Fi and I couldn't watch my show and couldn't post anything on Facebook. <laughs> I don't think you understand what camping is. <laughs> We both are just sitting there laughing hysterically, thinking, yeah, that's the world we live in now, where, like... The woods I'm, had terrible Wi-Fi. What are you doing this weekend? I'm going camping. Okay, be sure you post about it. I will. Why didn't see, you post about your camping trip? The Wi-Fi sucked. See, this is why, this is why I don't do Facebook much anymore. The Facebook I do is very centered on just a couple groups, and that's about it, because I can't... I can't be in that mindset anymore because I immediately fall into that mindset of I share everything about my life that happens and show everybody it. And I know that's kind of where you are. <laughs> and I'm not judging that. I'm just saying that's that's a dangerous zone for me to be in yeah. because I get super hyper-focused on myself that's at fair. that point. And so, oh, go ahead. <clears throat> sorry, that, I mean, is, that's essentially my point. This is a totally <laughs> separate topic, but I will tell you for a long time, my focus was I'm sharing everything about my life and then I need to know how many people have liked it or commented. Yeah. And if I got that's very few, I, yeah. then 
that infuriated me. But I am to the point now, and honestly, I think... <laughs> I think having a voice here has helped. <laughs> um, but I've I've gotten to the point to where my sharing now on Facebook is more for, and I talked about this, I think, on Monday. I don't, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I talk about it at some point. Um, it's more for the memory aspect of it. Yeah. To be able you're, to you're go. You're building like a digital scrapbook. Yeah. Yeah. So Which that you when, do, you do a, you do more, you do that more hardcore than any other person I've ever seen on Facebook. You have giant, giant photo albums based on every season of every year. Uh huh. I was like, good night. And then my posts are typically stories. Yeah. That have happened in that day, something mm-hmm. you know, because. I want to be able to go back and tell my kids, hey, do you remember when this happened? Hey, look at this picture. You remember, you know? Yeah. It is nice, like the the memories thing. I'll get memories of, you know, old videos of Eli when he was a toddler and stuff, and I'll show him. That's really cool, and I know I'm going to be bummed that I don't have that kind of stuff popping up out of nowhere for my other two kids. But at the same time... Uh, I'm fine with it because <laughs> I'm not spending all my time on Facebook anymore. That's fair. <laughs> uh, every Olympics that roll around, we have to go find the video of Mila running from the front door to the couch to try and do the little vault jump on the side <laughs> of the couch where she completely, her arms fail her and she takes the arm of the couch straight to the gut and you can hear the Ugh. <laughs> she's all of like four years old at this point and she had done it a thousand times <laughs> but the one time that i record it she loses it so it's for that memory aspect that yeah, i do it i got you and uh huh, just i got you off the topic of just robots. don't think about uh-huh, how uh-huh. how facebook has been Shh, machine learning it. your faces uh, remember that Facebook 10-year challenge? Yeah. It was really just them trying to uh, perfect their their artificial intelligence face recognition technology. Exactly. So <laughs> why are we testing it any more than what we already have? Bottom line, the world is only going to get more and more crowded with robots and artificial intelligence. But what does that mean for believers? After the break, we will discuss how Christians should respond to an increasingly robotic world. This week in nerdy news, this is LTNN. Game Pass is an amazing service, offering a ton of games across console and PC for a low price. But Xbox's Aaron Greenberg is begging you not to name your baby Game Pass. During Gamescom 2021 last week, Bethesda's Pete Hines was chatting with Greenberg about past stories and brought up how someone had named their newborn after the main character from Skyrim, and Bethesda gave the family free Bethesda games for life. Greenberg responded with a plea to everyone watching. I also ask that no one name their baby Game Pass, implying that no such prize will be coming for parents who do. 
Amica Games, developer of the Steam title Summer of 58, has announced that they are leaving game development for an indefinite time. Why? Because everyone has been returning their game. Steam has a policy in place that if you have played a game for less than two hours, you can return the game for a full refund, which is a great option for when you buy a game and realize pretty quickly that it isn't for you. However, that isn't the case here, as Summer of 58 has an overall very positive rating and tons of nice comments. The problem is, the game is short. It only takes the average player 90 minutes to complete it in full, meaning that someone can buy the game, beat it in full, and return it for a full refund. This has left Amica Games without enough funding to continue working on their next game from day to day, and it's causing them to reevaluate their business altogether. Steam is yet to comment on amending the return policy for shorter games. And finally, Netflix has found a super lead for the upcoming animated Magic the Gathering series. Gideon Jura will be voiced by none other than the Adam and failed Superman himself, Brandon Ralph. Magic the Gathering is set to premiere on Netflix in 2022. That was This Week in Nerdy News. I'm Radio Matt, and this is LTNN. Hey everyone, I'm Kip Wilkinson, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. Today I'm reviewing The Eye of the World by Robert Jordan. The Eye of the World is the first book in the critically acclaimed Will of Time series, a high fantasy book series that breaks away from the traditional Tolkien-esque world of elves and halflings. Life in the village of Inmansfield is uneventful until a strange woman arrives and pulls Randall Thor and his friends into a grand adventure. Moraine is an Aes Sedai, a powerful magic user with the ability to wield the One Power. She carries with her a warning that a terrible evil has begun to awaken in the world. Suddenly, in the dead of night, Inmansfield is attacked by a band of Trollocs, bloodthirsty creatures who are half man and half animal that before now were believed to be a legend. As the village burns, Moraine and her guardian, along with Rand and his friends, flee from the danger. Moraine believes that Rand is the dragon reborn, the one person who can unite the world to fight back against the rising darkness and defeat the Dark One. The Eye of the World is the beginning of Jordan's 12-part series, The Wheel of Time. Jordan has crafted a unique world entirely his own with an intricate magic system, strange and fantastic creatures, and a rich cast of characters. I recently finished reading this book with the news that Amazon would soon be releasing a TV show adapted from the series. However, my intrigue with this series began with my love for Brandon Sanderson, another fantasy author, who took up his pen and finished writing the last books in the Wheel of Time series after the original author passed away. I will say, this first story was a little slow at the beginning, but it quickly gained speed. The characters are so deeply developed and each struggle with their own internal darkness and light throughout the book. As Jordan chronicles the internal struggles of these characters, I was reminded of the struggle inside of each of us to choose the light over the dark. I give this book a solid 7 out of 10. I'm Kip Wilkinson, and remember, you should never use an old sock as a bookmark. Have 
Have you ever been around another person who used a word or phrase that you were absolutely certain that you should know, but you didn't? Of course you have. Hey, don't worry, nerd, because we've got some great news for you. You're about to learn something brand new, and this will be useful. Not like that throwaway knowledge like math or science. This is the real world, bub, and you need to be able to hold your own in a nerdy conversation. So pull up a chair and pay attention, because LTN's got another nerdy definition for you. This week's definition is Eurogame. Now this is a tabletop term referring to a type of game generally originating outside of the US that incorporates indirect player interaction and abstract components. That definition has drastically changed over the years to include US titles and very intricate pieces in some of the games. These types of games differ from their American counterparts in that they don't necessarily encourage direct conflict, drama, or require a significant amount of luck. I'm sure that we're going to go over those kinds of games affectionately named Ameritrash in a future short, so stay put. Games like Settlers of Catan, Carcassonne, Five Tribes, Puerto Rico, and Brass are just a few of the games that fit into this category. And Euro games also tend to be fairly lengthy plays due to the amount of strategy necessary to accomplish your given goal. So, the next time some overenthusiastic alpha nerd starts to talk about how much better Euro games are than any other kind of game, you can lean in and enjoy the show because, well, you understand that reference. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. There's a lot going on in our Discord, backrowdiscord.com, where you get to chat after the show, share your own show ideas, keep up to date with our Twitch and YouTube, be a part of our radio shows, and also see behind-the-scenes workings of Back Row games, including Sunday School Answers. The folks in our Discord already know what expansion packs we're hoping to release every month for the next year. Again, go to backrowdiscord.com to join. This week, we're talking about robots and AI. We started by talking about Elon Musk's vision for humanoid robots going to get our groceries. Then we showcased what kind of robots the a- and AI are already in the world and becoming more widely used. And now we're going to be discussing what the rise of robots and AI mean to believers. Now, this might sound like a silly question at first. Like, what on earth does a Tesla robot have to do with my faith? But it is kind of a big deal uh, when we think about, well, well, we'll start with what you brought up yesterday. You, you started getting into this talking about how we're made in the image of God. And now we're creating robots to basically be our surrogates in many ways. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so are we with that, with that, so let's, 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 let's let that be the first question we discuss. If we're making robots in the image of humans, are we lessening the image of humans or are we furthering the the ability to create that that we have inherent in ourselves because God created us that way? Like is it a good thing or is it a bad thing spirit wise? Like are we are we honoring that further creation or are we dishonoring our own creation? Um, so honestly in this capacity, I think that it would be more 
if we had to settle on one of two things, I truly do think it would be more honoring because it is a matter of, you know, God created us in his image and he is a create creative being and we are also creative. And so in that way, like you said, we are utilizing that creativeness within us. Okay. If we, um, oh man, like years ago when cloning was a big thing, Mm -hmm. I think that would lean more towards dishonoring. Yeah. You know, if we are creating something that is exactly, exactly like us ourselves in every way, I think that is dishonoring. Whereas if we're creating something similar to us, but different, that's just creativity. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think so. And I think I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that it's still just using our own creativity as, you know, a, a, a gift that God gave us. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily lessening humanity right. with its existence. <clears throat> but uh, th- these kind of questions are posed a lot. And we're going to go over a few of them and tell you a couple stories here. So first off, let's go back to April of 2019. In April 2019, 60 or more than 60 evangelical leaders released a statement addressing artificial intelligence. The Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission spent nine months working on artificial intelligence and evangelical statement of principles, a document designed to equip the church with an ethical framework for thinking about this emergent technology. The president at the time said, there are many heated debates in Washington, many of them important, but no issues keep me awake at night like those surrounding technology and artificial intelligence. The implications artificial intelligence will have for our future are vast. Uh, This is Russell Moore, by the way. Moore added, it is critical that the church be proactive in understanding AI. It's also critical the church insist AI be used in ways consistent with the truth that all people possess dignity and worth created as they are in the image of God. So we've kind of talked about these broadly, but let me kind of explain what AI is. The term artificial intelligence was coined in 1956 by uh, the American computer scientist John McCarthy, who defines it as getting a computer to do things which, when done by people, are said to involve intelligence. There's no standard definition for what constitutes AI, though, because there's a lack of agreement on what constitutes intelligence and how it relates to machines. According to McCarthy, intelligence is the computational part of the ability to achieve goals in the world. Varying kinds and degrees of intelligence occur in people, many animals, and some machines. Human intelligence includes such capabilities as logic, reasoning, conceptualization, self-awareness, learning, emotional knowledge, planning, creativity, abstract thinking, and problem solving. A machine is generally considered to use AI if it's able to perform in a way that matches these abilities. So... When you think about those words, logic, reasoning, reasoning, that's fine. Self-awareness, okay. But conceptualization, learning, emotional knowledge, planning, creativity, abstract thinking. Mm -hmm. Those kind of things are a little scary to put in a robot. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yes. Like as as cool it w- as it would be to have a robot like create art that it created out of its own brain, the implications of that are kind of terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> to have wh- emotional knowledge that 
I mean, that kind of leads into the fact that it also would have emotions. Mm-hmm. And it's hard enough to get humans to understand and have <clears throat> self-control with their emotions. Can you imagine a robot? Right. And so when thinking about this, the robot would be programmed with a set of morality, like Asimov's three rules of three laws of robotics, you know, that kind of stuff. It would be programmed with morality. But if it has a learning, emotional knowledge, planning, abstract thinking, problem solving kind of intelligence going Mm -hmm. on, what's going to keep it from changing its idea of what morality is? Yeah. From staying within those guidelines. And then even then... (laughs) I kind of think of, okay, here's the elementary librarian in me. You know Amelia Bedelia? Yeah. Okay. And how she is very literal. Yes. So who's to say that even if they do stay within those moral guidelines, who's to say that those moral guidelines don't have room for error where it's taken... It's misunderstood in some way. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. The um, the code doesn't compute, and it becomes misunderstood. Who's to say? Right. So to be considered AI, a machine needs the ability to learn. And so one of the most common types of AI involves machine learning, which is the science of getting computers to learn and act like humans do and improve their learning over time in autonomous fashion, meaning of its own accord by feeding them data and information in the form of observations and real-world interactions. So Tesla robots out in the real world that first month, if they have the ability to learn, every interaction they have with a human, good or bad, is going to shape how they start treating other people or other robots. Right? Yeah. If it's true AI. How can we define who they come in contact with? (laughs) Yeah. So by feeding them data and information in the form of observations and real world interactions, that's like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many crappy humans <laughs> that it's going to be mad. Machine learning usually involves a process of training and uh, inference. Uh, in the training phase, machines are first fed data and information in the form of observations and real world interactions. The machine looks at the data and makes generalizations from the examples provided. The machine then uses algorithms, uh, a set of guidelines that tell a computer how to perform a task to make inferences, i.e. conclusions reached on a basis of evidence and reasoning. So a prime example of machine learning is teaching computers to learn how to identify images such as recognizing human faces, which is what Facebook is doing. During the training phase, programmers have the computer process a large data set using thousands or millions of images of human faces. Machines are then taught to expect certain properties of faces, such as the average distance between the nose and the eyes or between the ears. The computer may then break down images into small sections and look for patterns based on color, shading, and so on. And through this process of training and inference, the AI program can become better at learning what attributes are most relevant to recognizing faces. Uh, Alexa does the same thing with voices. Right. You can determine timbre, volume, uh, you know, bass and treble levels, all this kind of stuff to determine, oh, yeah, that's most likely this person who's talking to me in the house. I've learned his voice, her mm-hmm. voice, all that. Like, Deja refuses to let <laughs> Alexa learn her voice because she does not want her to say her name. <clears throat> and I get that because it freaked me out, like I said. 
it freaked me out the first time I heard it. It still freaks me out every now and then. <clears throat> so there are many positive examples of uh, the use of AI. Uh, again, Siri and Alexa are one of them. Um, the machine uses voice recognition to translate your spoken words into a searchable format. And for most people, this would be nothing more than a time-saving novelty, sure. But it is pretty amazing how quick you can get an answer. Now, you don't always get the right answer. But the fact that you can ask a question of Alexa and she can respond pretty much immediately is amazing. Because mm -hmm. that's... Imagine the amount of computer... Uh, actions having to occur in a split second between you asking that question to you getting your answer. Mm -hmm. You know, it would take you longer to type out your question on Google. Yeah. And it's doing all this like boom, which is pretty cool. Um, for most people, yeah, like I said, it'd be a time-saving novelty, but, but for those with disabilities, such AI-enhanced features could provide them with a greater degree of independence or autonomy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, in the near future, AI may also transform such fields as healthcare. For instance, AI may soon allow for MRI scanning that is considerably faster and yet still provides an image of, of uh, the required accuracy. Uh, Bob Verger of Popular Science notes patients would spend less time in machines and imaging centers and hospitals could do more tests per day. By driving down the time and cost of MRIs, doctors could order one of those scans instead of a traditional X-ray or CT exam and save the patient from further exposure to radiation. So that's all good stuff. But there are negative examples, too. In China, the government uses AI-based tools to increase the power of the authoritarian state. With millions of cameras and billions of lines of code, China is building a high-tech high authoritarian future. Beijing is embracing technologies like facial recognition and artificial intelligence to identify and track 1.4 billion people. It wants to assemble a vast and unprecedented national surveillance system with crucial help from its thriving technology industry. And like we said, we mentioned Facebook. Uh, Facebook was sued back in 20, I think 18 or 2019 by the Department of Housing and Urban Development for using an AI-enhanced system to allow advertisers to restrict who is able to see ads on a platform based on their characteristics like race, religion, and national origin. So that brings us to the moral concerns. Because we're talking about AI, and we talked about, just like we said, when they're programming it, they might program you know, AI with a specific set of morality, but what keeps it there? There are four different kinds of ethics when it comes to artificial intelligence. You got the ethical impact agents, which are machine systems that have an ethical impact, whether intended or not, on humans, animals, or the environment. You have implicit ethical agents, machines constrained to avoid unethical outcomes, which Asimov's law of robotics, essentially. You have explicit ethical agents, machines that have algorithms to act ethically. And then you have full ethical agents, machines that are ethical in the same way humans are, i.e. have free will, consciousness, and intentionality. Since they're likely to have an influence that is not ethically neutral, most AI machines will be some sort of ethical impact agent. Few machines, however, will ever reach the level, if it's even possible, a full ethical agent, but it's almost close enough when it comes to explicit ethical agents, mm -hmm. machines that have algorithms to act ethically, because again, we're relying on who to implant those ethics. Right. Ethics are very subjective things, mm -hmm. and... I mean, I think we've seen this especially in the last two years. Uh, 
people are, have very, very different ideas as to what is the morally What's right ethical. thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if we've seen those people uh, who can make those decisions cancel entire platforms and and silence a whole group of people and all you know i mean yeah i mean you know what's been happening i'm mm -hmm. not this isn't this isn't conspiracy right. series that's theories theory stuff they've been pretty blatant about it who's in charge of programming the ethics of the robots that exactly. are walking around us and what happens when we go against their ethics uh -huh. <laughs> yep yes Yes. <laughs> I don't. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that we didn't bring up was like self-driving cars and things of that nature. Yeah. There. Oh, what was that show? What was that show? Upload. Upload. Where he was in a self-driving car that's perfect and it crashed on him. And they're like, no, that doesn't happen. You must have been driving it on your own or something. Yeah. Like, no. It was programmed to kill me. Yep. <clears throat> mm -hmm. But uh, AI can oh also gosh. affect the moral <laughs> behavior of humans. <laughs> An example of how AI technology could be used. Uh, in, okay. I mean, this is going to get a little inappropriate here. Not not in a bad way. Just, just know it exists. Sex robots. We talked about this actually on the show last year. Robot brothels were, be, were becoming like a... A thing that is being worked towards, I think, in Japan. Oh my gosh. Where, I mean. I'm listen. Uh, yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> Do they need to exist? No, absolutely not. Do they exist? Yeah, it's. I'm sex trafficking is real. Yeah. Prevalent. Right, and so. This the could idea put an end to it essentially. Yeah, but it would still. It's like it's a weird set of morality yeah. issues where we have to give in in one respect in order yes. to stop something worse. Right. Like we'll give in to this weird, gross thing, so a weirder, grosser, worser thing doesn't happen as much. And that's a, that's a weird place to be in. It's the it same. Is. It's the same area that started back in you know like middle school, where you know you want people to be abstinent. You want you want to teach abstinence, but yes. we know that they're probably not going to be abstinent. So, so let's at least teach them about give them sex. condoms. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and that's 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 a weird set of morality. It is. Uh, but it eventually got to the point where like we can't even teach abstinence anymore. Like it slipped to. We can't, can't you at least teach both? Can't you say, look, it's better to be abstinent, but if you're going to do that, here's this. And we have slid away from that to, well, we can't tell them it's wrong to have sex or anything at this point. And, you know, the whole idea of saving sex for marriage has been out the window for years. And so now we're at the point of let's just teach them how to have safe sex. Like, we know you're going to do it. Here's the condoms. That's what we're, essentially where we're at. And... I feel like we're going to be in that same boat. We might have good intentions for starting these kind of things, but it's eventually going to slip to this becomes the main thing. And now we have a whole industry devoted to it. That's very weird. So uh, not only that, I think what also ends up happening, what would end up happening in this case. Okay. I feel like this 
would open up a huge door to human to human relationship going out the window. Yeah. If I if there's a robot who can learn my every need, then why am I going to continue with a flawed human mm-hmm. who has their own desires and wishes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And did you see that movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix? No. Where he basically falls in love with a digital assistant? No. I mean, that's essentially what I think it was Scarlett Johansson that played the voice of like the Alexa-like digital assistant. But essentially that's what it was, is that the AI had become so advanced that she was having a relationship with a real human. And this real human was now not having real personal relationships with real people Mm -hmm. because he was now obsessed with this artificial intelligence that understood him so well. Right. Yeah. I mean... At the time that movie came out, it seemed far-fetched, and the further we get into this, especially just our discussions this week, yeah, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, that could totally happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. And it wouldn't really be all that far-fetched. No. <laughs> I'm. If we're being honest, I think that this is definitely something that our children are going to be faced with in, you know, in their lifetime, 100% without a doubt, our grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. So... With robots, the rise of robots, uh, we do have to really consider the view of human worth. Like, it is important that we have relationships with other people, and it is important that we don't elevate robots and AI to anywhere near the level of importance of humans, mm-hmm. humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were the ones created in the image of God, uh, and the Bible's very clear about that. We carry something divine in our DNA. Um, but... It is extraordinary to even create artificial intelligence in the first place and to get to be as close as we are right now to have created autonomous beings that can think on their own, uh, albeit in a completely different way than God did. Mm -hmm. But still, for that to almost exist, that's pretty impressive. But we have to also think about is that is that getting us to the point where we're so arrogant that we think that we ourselves are God, you know, Mm -hmm. like, are we, are we making, are we making all these strides to basically create a new being Mm -hmm. that can exist autonomously from us? Like if we make robots that are, uh, that do have their own free will and their own ability to learn and grow and process, and then eventually to create their own offspring, Mm -hmm. are we creating a new race? Are we creating a race that will take out, take us out? Will earth one day just be run by robots? (laughs) I mean, that's the kind of long range thinking that we have to be kind of aware of. (laughs) We need a clear moral guidance on how we use AI. And um, we didn't even talk about AI when it comes to warfare, uh, morality of war. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like we already use like drones and things of that nature for some of our battles. And while that's... uh, semi-artificial intelligence, it's usually still piloted by someone mm-hmm. uh, who's real. You yeah. know, it's it's just like a long-range weapon, essentially, yeah. at that point. But imagine having a full army made of robots. Mm-mm. Imagine multiple nations having armies made of robots fighting wars 
more readily because we're not sending actual people out into the the battle zone. We're just sending our robots. Mm -mm. Then it becomes about who can make the deadliest robots. See, and I can see there would be a huge push for this because my initial thought is, just like you said, we're not sending humans out. Um, and people are going to be like, yeah, exactly. We're saving lives. We're not sending an army of humans out. But what you, what a lot of people may not understand or realize is that it is our heart, our moral aspect that causes a lot of decision-making within war. Yeah. And there would be a lot of, more innocent lives gone on both sides of the war if there wasn't that aspect of what's right and what's wrong. Right. If there wasn't that moment for someone to think, I can either save this person's life or I can end it. You know, because even in war, there are people who need to be saved. There yeah. are innocent lives on the other side, on the enemy side. And those lives need to be protected. Yeah. And so if we put these robots out who don't necessarily have a definition of good versus bad, right versus wrong, how can we expect for the children to be protected and safe or, yeah. you know, yeah. Those who are in harm's way, but are not deemed harmful, you know, Yeah. even from the aspect of the drones there, just as you said, there's someone who is piloting them and those missions are not done hastily. Right. They're not, let me float, let me fly this drone up in the air, find the person who I want to get rid of and we're done. No, they are, it is done for months, sometimes years to make sure that what happens at the end of it, that the end result is in fact one that was necessary, Right. that there wasn't an area of protection or, um, well, yeah, an area of protection that wasn't crossed. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Going, I mean, yeah. Crossing a line and yeah. see with the idea of building your armies for war, uh, you know, building robots, like I said, it becomes who can make the deadliest robots. And, mm -hmm. you know, you think of video games, think of your phone games, there are phone games where they're like mech, mech suit robots or whatever. And you have to like level up to be stronger, have better weapons or whatever. Otherwise you just get completely decimated by the other side. Right. That'll be real life. And yeah. what if, you know, what if China can can build, which, you know, they got all the technology over there in China and Japan and those, that side of the world. Mm -hmm. If they can build all these amazing death destroying, strong, huge, um, just infused with weapons, you know, Iron Man two type, uh, drones that whiplash built, you know, they have this whole army of these just gigantic super soldier robots. And we're coming in here with modified Tesla bots, right? You know, what happens? First of all, our army's done. And we lose. And then what happens then? What do the robots stop or do they just keep coming into our country, right. taking over cities and mm -hmm. things, that kind of stuff? 
that kind of stuff's the real kind of scary yeah. junk right there. Um, so <laughs> let's we'll leave that in your brain. You can think about that moving forward. But let's uh, move to a different section. Let's talk about work. So currently, currently in America, I bet there's quite a few businesses who would be dying for some robot workers because <laughs> we can't get enough people hired. But normally, <laughs> normally, uh, there are people who, who need jobs. <laughs> I mean, not only that, I feel like, especially coming off the heels of the pandemic, mm -hmm. having robot workers could be beneficial in several ways, yeah, you know, true. less exposure and then less having to do contact tracing and having to quarantine. And, you know, we are schools across the nation at the very least are hurting on the, the crux of having to shut down again and nobody wants to do it, but we may have to, yeah. you know, because you can only lose so many teachers for two weeks at a time before you have to shut your school down. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there, there definitely would be beneficial aspects of it. But uh, as we're coming out of COVID and there are significant, like, lobbies for a universal basic income where the government literally sends us all a bit of money every month... Uh, the idea of, again, chasing Star Trek, where we'll get to this point where, you know, people don't really have the, the same kind of jobs we have now. Like there aren't menial tasks. There aren't labor intensive jobs. There aren't jobs that people don't want to do. People will only have the jobs that they want to do essentially in the future. And all the jobs that they don't want to do will be given to robots that brings to mind the question of, well, aren't we supposed to labor? Aren't we supposed to yes. work? Isn't that what, what God kind of laid out? Is that we're supposed to, you know, work to earn? Mm -hmm. And if we're getting to the point where all we're having is our own comfort and only doing all the things that we, we uh, completely want, you know, all the time, is that putting us into a, a, the wrong mindset of, you know, I don't really need to, to work to be provided for, you know, I'll be taken care of essentially. Like that's, it's, it's not, it's not growing up, right? It's not, it's not doing, it's not providing for your family. It's letting other people provide. For your <laughs> it's, it's letting robots provide for your family. It's a mm -hmm. weird situation. And it feels like it lessens human worth, lessens human value if we no longer work. Because when we work, when we're doing jobs, it's not just for us. It, it's also a service. We're, we're usually uh, serving other people. It puts us in a mindset of all of us can serve and help other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're getting paid for it, I mean, you're doing a job that maybe not a lot of people would like. I, I did landscaping for two years. I hated every minute of it. And I am so grateful that there are people that love landscaping and love mowing lawns and do all this stuff. And even if they don't love it, they'll, they are out there doing it to earn money. And I want to bless those people and bless their families and, you know, utilize those services. Mm -hmm. 
if we're just going to turn it to robot lawn care uh, for, <laughs> for the future, you know, that's a bunch of jobs, a bunch of opportunity to earn money that's gone. And so that becomes now, well, what are we, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, Do we really I, want to replace ourselves? <laughs> right. I had the conversation with my mom and um, her boyfriend while they were visiting that is kind of similar to this because we are, we're raising an entire generation of kids who will not understand kind of the hierarchy and the pyramid of growth within the workforce because right away these kids are and we look at it as a great thing we look at it as awesome um my oldest son's girlfriend who i absolutely adore and love but she is fully enrolled as a sophomore at our community college here. And so it's a dual enrollment program, but she is earning both her high school credits and her college credits simultaneously. So that when she graduates high school, she's also going to be graduating college with a bachelor's so that she can go on to earn her master's and then her doctorate because her ultimate goal is to be a veterinarian, mm. which is amazing. That's amazing. She's essentially shaving off four years of her educational timeline. Okay, great, cool. But because of this, she's going to enter into the workforce pretty quickly. She'll be able to, as soon as she graduates high school, she has a bachelor's in veterinary science. She's going to be able to get a job as a vet tech right away. Mm. She's not going to have to work at, you know, a college level job doing something small, receptionist or whatever, right? you know, and learn those skills entry level that, re, you know, that are required of you the further you go up yeah. in the chain, yeah. you know, we are setting up an entire generation for what I think is kind of failure because they're not learning those early skills that are essential. Right. It's been a process for a reason for so long. Exactly. Yeah. To, and so, to upend that. Right. And so when we replace these medial jobs that we feel like robots could easily do. They're below us. Yeah. <laughs> where are we? We're not leaving anything for our children. Yeah. Where uh, there's, there's also the idea that there just, there are people that aren't built for you know, more intellectually focused jobs or computer-based jobs or things sure. of that nature. There are people that are more attuned for labor-intensive jobs. Um, and that's, you know, jobs that you can go to a, um, oh, what are they called? Like a trade school. Yes, trade school uh -huh. to learn. You know, these kind of things. Absolutely. They, we, and we need them. So the world relies on them yes. to continue to work. So if we create robots that now are going to replace all these kind of jobs that some of us see as menial tasks, uh, labor-intensive tasks, are we going to create a generation of people that society doesn't need? Um, I think what we are then doing is we are increasing more of the homeless population. It's, yeah, that's, that's essentially yeah, what I'm saying. It's, you know, our... Uh, oh, what is the, the term? Not homeless, but... Anyway, I don't know what you're talking about. 
Drifters? No. <laughs> no. I can't even think. Not below average, but you, like your blue collar, you have your, your blue collar. Blue collar workers and white collar workers. Yeah. So you're going to have a whole group of people who, I can't even think. Forget it. I'm done. <laughs> blue I'm collar done. workers would not be needed, essentially. Yeah. You'd have a whole, a whole group of people displaced. Because mm-hmm. that would be where their skill set would lie, and we're taking away their even opportunity to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes of how how do we, you know, that opens up all the other implications beyond robots of how do we provide for these people so that they don't become homeless? Where does that money come from? Are we just building, are we just printing money like we are now for all of these um, stimuluses, individual stimuluses that we're giving everybody? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. Will that eventually lead to a Star Trek-like society where we don't have money? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that would even work. But uh, if we ever get to that point, it's going to be a long, difficult, painful journey to ever get there. Because the process of getting there is not going to be getting better and better and better and better and better. It's going to be getting worse and worse and worse and worse until we have to throw it all out and build something new, probably on the graves of a lot of people that died because they couldn't survive in this world that we're building. Right. It's a weird situation. It is. It is very weird. And, uh... It's, I don't know, we're at the point now where robots are kind of considered a part of a utopian future mm-hmm. where we can trust them, that they that our fallen human nature will not actually interfere with how they operate. But we've already brought up quite a few issues in just the little bit of technology that we have today. And of course in humanity, which will be the ones to create these and program them and all that. There's a, there's, there's always going to be this mixed blessing of technology, I guess is what I'm, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that there's no way that we can, are going to be able to get it to where it's perfect. And the negative outcomes that are still quite possible are, so negative they're devastating <laughs> that they they overpower the positive possible outcomes yeah. at least where we sit right now yeah um and the other the other biblical issue is that this might actually be akin to idolatry creating what we might think is a perfect being mm. one free of human failings okay um I mean, we just can't, we can't really escape that trap of creating gobs, God substitutes, objects, desires, deities that we seek to control, but instead they really control us. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's a terrifying aspect all its own. Yeah. And I can't imagine that AI development and robotics, uh, won't follow that same pattern. So at the end of the day, mm-hmm. <laughs> Concerns <laughs> are justified. Uh, as Christians, we need to pray for discernment and to be a helpful guide to shaping a common future, and that certainly inc- includes technology. 
because AI will affect so many areas of our life. Uh, we need to be prepared to maximize the benefits of the technology and also take the lead on the question of machine morality and help to limit and eliminate the possible dangers. Uh, and as Christians, we need to be prepared with a framework to navigate the difficult ethical and moral issues surrounding it. Mm -hmm. uh, the framework doesn't come from corporations or government because they're not the ultimate authority on dignity issues and the church doesn't take its cues from culture. God has spoken to us in his word and as his followers, we are to seek to love him and our neighbors above all things. And that has to be preserved. And so <laughs> I want to come up with that line from the movie, fight it, run from it. Mm -hmm. It comes all the same. It's going to happen. Yeah. Like we're, we're drifting that way. There's really no stopping it. Uh, and so we need to be prepared for all the challenges that are going to come based on that. So what I will say as well is as Christians, we need to remember the truth that, and this was in my moment from last week, there's nothing new as crazy as this seems to us as far fetched and as strange, it doesn't surprise God. Yeah. And we need to rest in that comfort that this is not surprising to God. And ultimately remember that he is the one who is still in control. And from our perspective, what we can do is continue to do what he's told us and commanded us to do from the beginning, love your neighbor and spread the gospel. The more that we're loving our neighbor and the more that we're spreading the gospel, possibly, hopefully the morality that will be placed on robots whenever the time comes will align somewhat to a biblical moral standpoint. Yeah. But we can't expect that right. if we all hide and cower in our closet and wait for the world to end. Right. We have to be out there. Right. We have to be spreading the gospel and we have to have trust that God is and always will be in control. Yeah. So just like pretty much every other area of our society and our life, it's going to exist. So let's pump as much Jesus into it as we can. Yeah. <laughs> in a way where, you know, we're, we're active parts of the discussion and conversation. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, be being all things to all people or all programs to all robots uh, in either case uh, we we have to be a part of it we can't just sit by and let it develop without us right because then it's going to develop against us 100% absolutely that's going to do it for our week of focus on robots and AI praise God we're going to take one last break when we get back we've got a poll and we'll share some things that we love Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So I had a pretty scary experience this week. Uh, it was about bedtime, I had sent my daughters to bed, and I was going to check on them to make sure everybody was good before it was lights out. And uh, I, I rounded the corner out of my kitchen, down to the hallway where my daughter's bedrooms are, and I heard a man's voice. 
a deep, burly man's voice. And if you're not familiar, I'm the only dude in my household. And I freaked out. I took off running down the hallway, ready to destroy or assault any would-be intruder or anything like that. And I just flung my daughter's door open. And that's when I realized she was sitting on her bed with her school laptop listening to my podcasts. I'm like, thanks for the heart attack. Why are you listening to my podcast right now? She's like, oh, I I like learning from you. And, you know, my kids spent six weeks of the summer on the road with me, with me speaking at Bible camps and stuff. So I was, I was pretty surprised and grateful that she would still want to hear from me. But she's like, I like learning from you. You, you talk about the things that I enjoy, stuff like that. So she wanted to go back and listen to some of the audio chapters and stuff off my podcast. And I was grateful that she was doing that. But then the thought hit me. I was like, man, she really shouldn't have to go to a podcast to learn from me. Am I taking the time to intentionally pour into my daughter? Yes, I'm not going to have a sermon on Uncle Iroh or, you know, Captain America every Sunday at church, but I should really take the time to intentionally pour into my daughter that way. In Isaiah 6, there's these verses 6 through 9 where it says, These commands that I give to you are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. And when you lie down and when you get up, tie them up as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And we see these instructions from Moses that basically tell us, make sure that we are intentionally putting the things of God out in front of our families and sharing them with them as much as we can, because it's important. Don't wait for the podcast. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. This week in nerd history, you're getting old, Harry. Nerd history. In just a couple months, the movie version of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone will turn 20 years old. Sorry, you had to hear that. But of course, the book is even older. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, as it was originally titled for release in the UK, was Joe Rowling's debut novel, and one she worked on for over six years. Several publishers passed on the book because it was too long for their liking, coming in at about 90,000 words before edits. Young adult novels rarely went above 80,000, and many were half that. And even though the final draft of the book came in at just under 77,000 words, every book after broke the 80,000 word barrier with Order of the Phoenix topping the series with 257,000 words between its covers. 
While Philosopher's Stone released in the UK in June of 1997, the US rights were purchased by Scholastic the April before for $105,000, which was significantly higher than average. The book was then released in the US on September 1st, 1998, under the name Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone because Scholastic thought the word philosopher would sound too archaic for American readers. Within a year, Sorcerer's Stone topped the New York Times list of best-selling fiction and stayed at or near the top for much of 99 and 2000, until the New York Times was pressured into separating the list into two separate lists, an adult fiction and a children's fiction list, because publishers wanted to give their books a fighting chance. Currently, the book has been translated into 80 languages, including Latin and even ancient Greek. Safe to say, it's cast quite a spell on all of us. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more Nerd History. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show as things are winding down for the day. But first, we wanted to know, would you ever buy a Tesla robot for your home? <laughs> no, your answer. Mm. Uh, we gave you three options. Heck no. Absolutely. And I'll need some convincing. But what do you think the number one answer was? It better have been 100% heck no. <laughs> it wasn't 100%, but that was the top answer at 57.1%. 57! <laughs> 14.3 said absolutely. Shut up! <laughs> and 28.6 said I'll need some convincing. So I feel like that's a heck no with a caveat of unless you can dissuade all of my fears. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> Kevin Wellborn uh, answered heck no, and he said easiest poll answer ever. Right. Thank you. <laughs> And then someone responded with a, a, a little gif from the Mitchells versus the Machines, which is the movie that you need to watch because uh, it's great. It's a great movie. Now, before we go, we want to share some things that we love. What's the things that you love, Mo? Listen, I told you that I had like prepared weeks in advance. Oh, like, the yeah. The things yeah, that yeah. I love. A few and, of them, yeah. I went through all the movies and just looked at the something that I loved. <laughs> Individual, individualized car temperatures. So having the air con air conditioning or heat control for the driver, oh, for the yeah. passenger, and for the back. It is nice. It's amazing. Again... Slightly leaning on the robotic side of it all. <laughs> yeah, Deidre and I got, uh, when we went on our 12-day trip last September, wow, it's already been a year, uh, we got a rental car, and it had that separate side. Uh-huh. Oh, it was great. She was nice and warm. I was nice and cool the uh -huh. whole time. It was so, I don't know how, how does it... How does it do it and not bleed over? Like it, I don't it know. was, it was like perfectly. My whole body was cool. It wasn't like I was cool on the left side, and we slowly mixed in the middle. You know, where it was like nope. a middle temperature. Mm -mm. Like I was completely cool. She mm -hmm. was completely warm. Yeah. To we were almost almost like eight degrees different. I feel yep. like it's funny because <laughs> I like to be cold. I like to be in a cold environment, but I like to be warm in a cold environment. Does that make sense? Kinda. 
So you want to be in a cool environment without being fully affected by it. Yeah. Got it. Mm -hmm. So for me, there will be times where I will get in the car and it's July outside, Mm -hmm. but I'll turn the heated seat on because I like for (laughs) my, my body to be warm. I like a sweaty butt, but cool pits. Is that not a problem? I don't understand. And then I'll have the air conditioner blowing. (laughs) Yeah. That's a bit weird. <laughs> uh, also, I went through my, I, we, we bought a, not a new car, but we bought a, a used car, but a better used car uh, last year. It was new to you. New to me. And uh, I forgot that it has heated seats. I went through the whole winter and I never tried it out. Oh my goodness. So I was bummed and now it's so dang hot. I can't try it until it gets cold again. Oh, the heated seats are so nice, especially I'm just not for used ladies. To that kind of luxury. Oh, it's so nice. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right, here's my thing I love. So uh, Bubba actually brought this up on Church Nerds a few months ago as his nerdy recommendation. He recommended Doctor Squatch soap and deodorant. Oh yeah, you've seen those commercials, yeah. right? With mm-hmm. the long-haired guy out in the thing, uh, which is just it's, you know it's it's cold pressed soap it's you know it's like a in it, 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 it well i guess it's not indie i was gonna say indie soap like that's a <laughs> like that's a genre of soap out there. but it's like you know it's a small company a small batch company uh that's gotten really really popular it's called a mom and pop but uh bubba got got it specifically the deodorant he was saying the deodorant works better than any deodorant he's ever had well the deal was it What's the one thing in deodorant that makes deodorant really last and work? Antiperspirant? I don't know. It's the aluminum. It has aluminum. Little bits of aluminum that actually clogs up your sweat pores and keeps you from sweating and stinking. Oh, well, that sounds incredibly safe. Yeah, but that's that's why it works. And that's why you buy those natural deodorants or whatever. And they just don't work as well. They last for about half an hour. Yeah. And then you sweat them off. (laughs) That's how this works. Well... Look, this deodorant has no aluminum in it. It is all natural stuff. I will put it on in the morning. I will go sweat at work. I was, like I said, I was building this computer, but that inquired like me running a bunch of wires and stuff. And like, it was hot and I was sweating. My back was all wet and everything. When I got home, my pit still smelled delicious. Like... Perfect yeah. pine tar scent. It no. was great. Uh, and the, the soap bars. Also, I've only tried the pine tar. I got, the, I got three pine tar soap bars and a pine tar deodorant. It's amazing. I'm about to order some from all the men in my house right it now. It legit FYI. smells amazing. I'm literally on Your the website. Is on the site right now. <laughs> uh, they have a bunch of different kinds. The pine tar is, I think, their most popular. Uh, and it has, they have like different grit levels. So some of them have like exfoliants in them. Perfect. The pine tar, I think, actually has legit pieces of pine in it, which is a little scary. So I'm like, am I going to get a splinter? <laughs> doing this? But still, it's really, it's really good. Uh, I'm amazed. I'm, I'm, this is one of those situations where you look at something online that's making these bold promises and you're like, yeah, that's what you all say. And I'm going to buy it and it's going to be disappointing. Nah, this is, this is legit. This is legit. So they even have toothpaste, Matt. They do. They have a whole bunch of stuff. Listen, I know what my family, the men in my family are getting for Christmas in their stocking. (laughs) 
Uh, yep. Okay. See, so here's the thing. Thank you for recommending because I have seen it exactly like you said. I have seen the ads, mm-hmm. but you can never be sure. Right. Like, am I just going to waste 30 bucks here buying this pack of soap? Exactly. Yeah. But now it's, it's, oof, it's good. All right. I will be continuing to buy it. Cool. Yeah. Yep. I am about I think, to. I think the thing that's in the deodorant that makes it work is charcoal. Okay. For some reason, that helps uh, yeah. elongate it and not let it get sweat away. I think that's the ingredient. I don't really know. All I know is it's voodoo. Because in my brain, it should not work without aluminum, and it's working. Here's the thing. That's just like, you know, <laughs> it's like the essential oils when they became a big deal. Yeah. And all the women started using essential oils instead of using, you know, like prescription medicine or mm-hmm. over-the-counter medicine, whatever. They're using yeah. oils now. And Chris yes. calls it voodoo all the time. Yeah. You well, give him this deodorant, he'll say the same thing about the deodorant. I'm getting it. <laughs> I mean, the soap is soap, but it's it's good soap. Yeah. It smells really good. It's very strong, and it doesn't have a whole bunch of harsh chemicals in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the deodorant's voodoo, for I'm sure. Totally <laughs> getting it. And I'm going big, and I'm getting one of the starter packs. <laughs> Uh, let's end with our verse for the day. You can our, finish your order in a second. I will. Our <laughs> verse for the day is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's going to do it for the Backroom Morning Show for this week. We hope you enjoyed our discussion, and we look forward to having you join us again next week. Now remember that we air our full morning shows first exclusively on LTN Radio, LTNOnAir.com, every Monday through Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 a.m. But if you miss a day or just can't catch the show live, you can find our three full shows and our weekly main podcast by searching The Back Row Morning Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Rate five scar- stars, 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 and leave a review. Do it and we'll love you forever. Make sure you check out lovethynerd.com. We've got amazing articles on all things nerdy, other podcasts and videos, and a lot more. And if you'd like to directly support our mission and become a financial partner with Love Thy Nerd, even specifically with LTN Radio, please visit lovethynerd.com slash partner, and you can choose LTN Radio from the drop-down menu. Love Thy Nerd is a qualifying 501c3 nonprofit organization and your gift is tax deductible. And make sure you're following us on all the socials. We are on the book, the Twit, the Gram, and the Talk. Just search for at the back row LTN and connect with us. Once again, I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And remember, if nobody else tells you, we promise it's true. Jesus, Jesus loves, loves you, nerd. nerd.